So let's talk about, you know, the real change, yeah? Hey there, my name is Lily and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. This episode of Mindful Admissions is a live recording of Josephine at College Info Night, an event that we put on semi-frequently as sort of a college admissions festival. In this session, Josephine talked about what a year this has been for the college admissions landscape. In the second COVID admissions cycle, with test-optional or test-blind schools becoming more and more common, there's so much that has changed, and she covers so much in only a few minutes. All right, I think that about covers it. Let's go to Josephine. All right, so let's talk first about standardized testing changes. I know this is the most exciting topic ever. Um, so I'm gonna try and breeze through these relatively quickly. Um, these are just some minor changes right here. Um, the SAT um, decided to get rid of the essay. Um, so there is no optional essay portion of the SAT anymore, which actually means that no colleges require the essay since you can only take the essay with the ACT, but the colleges are not going to, um, you know, try to disadvantage you just because you're taking the SAT. So that is something that has changed, that changed in January of this year. Um, also the SAT too, so the SAT subject tests are no longer administered. Um, so those just don't exist anymore. They got rid of them in um, January. So those are two big changes. Um, so let's talk about, you know, the real change. Yeah. The pandemic closed a lot of test centers. I know that, you know, if you're a senior right now, you might still be taking the, the SAT or the ACT in November, um, in October, in December, right? Um, you might be taking advantage of some of those last um, chance um, test dates. So because you were probably not able to test during your junior year if you're currently a senior. So only 16% of sites were available in California for testing throughout the year of 2020 um, compared to the previous year. Um, so that is really intense. Um, there's a lot going on there. Within that, as far as the college colleges go and how did they respond to you know that idea of okay most students are now not able to test is that there was something called the test optional movement and then there's also a separate thing called test blind or test free movement so i want to talk about the difference between those two so let's talk about test blind or test free first um, i don't know if you guys love friends but i love friends so how to pick this one for that um <laughs> it's my favorite show probably i've watched it like fifty thousand times but what it means is that your SAT or ACT score will not be considered as part of your college application at all. So you can send it to them a hundred times. It will not be considered as part of your college application. And I'm saying this as very important because the UCs are permanently test-free. They will not look at your um, SAT or ACT score, even if you have one and send it to them, they will not consider it. Same thing right now, the Cal States, the CSU system, they are test free, including um, the class starting in fall 2022. They are not sure yet what they will do in 2023. Um, so those are kind of two big systems that is are important to know about. Let's talk about test optional and what that means. Um, so test optional means it is optional to test and it is optional um, to um, send in your, your scores once you have tested. Um, sorry, there you go. So you can either apply with your SAT or ACT score or you can apply without your SAT or ACT score. It is your choice. Um, so if you apply without the SAT, ACT score, um, then 
you should have absolutely no disadvantage to not submitting your scores for admission purposes. Now, not all colleges are test optional, but a lot more colleges are test optional now than used to be, although this is not a wholly new movement. Um, so there are some disadvantages sometimes because you have to really check for each university. You know, is there a scholarship I would like to be able to apply for? And does that one need an SAT or ACT score? Or maybe I wanna to go to the honors college and they want one. Maybe I wanna do an accelerated bachelor to master's degree. And so for that program, I need one. So really um, take a look at the programs that you're applying to so that you know. But like I said, test optional is not a new movement. Um, actually, the first university that went test optional was Bowdoin College in 1969. Um, so it's been around for a long time. And by March 2020, actually over a thousand American universities, so 38% of American universities were already test optional. That's pre-pandemic. Right. So a lot of students, I think, are really scared of this whole like test optional. Should I submit? Should I not submit? Like, where's the... Where are they tricking me kind of thing? They're not trying to trick you. It's really kind of a win-win situation. Um, and pre-pandemic, 25% of the top 250 national universities were test optional and over 50% of the top 100 national liberal arts colleges were also test optional. So I'm just bringing that up so you, that you know, it is a tried and true and tested um, way to admit students. Um, and the pandemic was really that catalyst so that more and more universities went test optional for either one or two years. So a lot of them have gone test optional for two years, which means for current seniors, applicants for to enter freshman year in fall 2022 um, are also test optional. But you really need to check with each university. Some universities only went test optional for the prior year for the um, applicants for the 2021 incoming fall freshmen. Yeah, so check each university and see if they are test optional. Um, for the 2022 applicants, um, so the current seniors, over 1,500 universities are test optional for sure. And we're sending out these slides too. So on here, if you click on that fair test database of test optional schools, that's always updated every couple of days actually. So it's really great. Um, you can see are the universities that you're applying to on that list or not. Um, for the 2023 applicants, so students who are current juniors, we don't know yet how many schools are going to remain test optional. So my guess is that more and more universities are going to stay test optional post COVID, but I think a good handful, a good chunk will also return to test required if that's something that they liked about their former admissions criteria. So for the current junior is really kind of up in the air. My guess is that any current junior, if they have about 10 colleges on their list, probably have, will have two or three, maybe four test required colleges on their list, unless of course they're applying to all um, UCs, for example. Okay, um, so what's in it for the universities? Why even go test optional? They actually end up looking a lot more selective. So it's a huge plus for the universities to become test optional. Um, they have lower acceptance rates because more students are applying, right? Because the, bar the SAT and ACT was a barrier oftentimes. Students might have a low score or, or weren't able to take it. And so they didn't feel like they could even apply. So they just didn't apply to some of the more selective universities, right? Now that we've removed this requirement, these students um, have that barrier removed and they're able to apply to these selective universities. And only the, the students who are really proud of their SAT or ACT scores are actually submitting them, right? Which means that there's an increase in the average SAT and ACT scores that the colleges can then report. 
And both of those together, the lower acceptance rates plus the increase in average SAT and ACT scores, allows the universities to rank higher in national rankings. So that's what's in it for the universities, right? Because some people are very you know, confused, why would a university even do that? Here are just some quick examples from the 2020-2021 um, app season. So the, um, the students who are now freshmen in college, um, Emory saw an 18% increase in applications. UCLA saw a 28% increase in applications. Harvard saw a 20% increase in applications. So who are all these people, right? Who's applying? Um, mostly it's students from underrepresented backgrounds. So it's actually really exciting because removing this barrier allows a lot more students to apply to universities that usually they would have considered um, completely out of their reach. Um, so it's really leveling the playing field in a way and creating more access to college. Okay, so that kind of already brought us into admission trends, right? Where are people applying and how, how many are applying? So let's take a look at this. So first thing I wanna establish is that, and, and you can believe me on this, um, there are several studies that have shown this that actually the majority of US colleges admit most students who apply. So most colleges in the US admit the majority of the students applying to their institution. Right, that's a little bit different. Sorry, here's my cat. Um, that's a little bit different from what, what we hear in the media and in the public where we're just hearing, oh man, everything's selective. I have to worry, right? So I just wanna put this out there because it's, it's very much true. And here's some data to back it up. Um, you can see here, here's how, what percent of applicants they admit is along the y-axis. So if we look here at 50%, yeah? And we just took this, these um, five, down here. That would mean these universities um, admit 50% or more of the applicants. And if I add up these number, 13, 19, 21, 15, 10, I get to around 80. Yeah. So about 80% of universities actually admit over 50% of their applicants. So I just want that to sink in. So when students are afraid, man, will I even get into any college? Yes, you absolutely will. You will totally get into um, a college that you are applying to. And that's why it's so important to really build a really good fit college list. And that's why we as counselors really encourage you to have likely schools, target schools, and reach schools, right? And that's what Dwayne said the, at the um, kickoff um, meeting today, if you saw that at, at six, right? He was saying exactly that, balance your list with likely target and reach schools. That way you will get into colleges. Make sure the likely schools are universities that you're also super excited to go to, um, but that you have, you know, you know that they accept a higher portion of their applicants and that you feel good about where you fall in their applicant pool. Um, those are also the universities where you are probably going to qualify for um, scholarships, for merit scholarships, um, and therefore might be able to get also more financial aid overall. So there are a lot of perks to really building a good fit college list. Okay, let's take a look at admissions trends. I just chose some random ones. It's funny that I chose Reed College, where Dwayne actually graduated from. I threw on USC, Stanford, Harvard, Boston University, Georgetown. So the reason I did this is because I wanted to choose more selective colleges overall, because this trend is very specific to the more selective colleges. You can see here, if we compare 2020 to 2021, we can see that these admission stats have fallen at 
Um, most of these, except read, read interestingly enough, um, admitted 3% higher um, than in 2020. Um, and when I say 2020, that is the, the year the freshman would start, okay? So the 2020 admits, those are the students who applied pre-COVID. The 2021 admits, those are the ones who applied during COVID. So we can see that it got a lot more selective for a lot of these universities. Um, and really, let's take a look at what that really means, right? So more students are applying to selective schools, which is what's leading to a drop in acceptance rates, which is very scary when you're looking at those numbers, right? Like Harvard, it dropped from 6.5% to uh, 2019 to 3.4 um, in two years later. Columbia dropped from 6.1 to 3.7. So you have fewer students applying to the less prestigious schools, so the likely schools, you have more students applying to the very selective schools. And the reason that is happening is that a lot of students kind of have like this like YOLO aspect. They're like, okay, you know, I don't know what's happening. This pandemic is crazy. I, because they don't need my test score and I, I'm not, you know, very proud of my test score, but I like my GPA. I'm just going to throw an application at this at Harvard, at Yale, at Princeton. So that's really what led to this very weird trend that, Less prestigious schools that are excellent educational institutions, like I said, about 80% of the universities um, in the United States actually saw a drop in acceptance in um, applications. But the highly selective schools, so like the top 20% of schools, um, probably the top like 50 actual universities and rankings, those are the universities that saw a drop in acceptance rates because they saw such an increase in people and students applying who were just kind of trying it out. So I think that's really, really important to realize that, um, you know, if you um, go and, you know, you can reach for your reaches but just be aware of this trend and also really put a lot of time into your research and into connecting with schools that are more target and likely because you might have great opportunities at these universities because they want you, you know? Um, so that's just a general tip that I would, I would give any senior right now. Um, the cool thing is that, um, you know, 20% more first-generation college students applied uh, to big selective schools, those with the lowest average acceptance rates, as did 24% more Black, Latinx, American Indian, or Alaska Native and Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander student compared to last year. So we do really see an increase in the diversity of the applicant due to the drop of the test scores. Here's some UC admission trends. Um, I wanted to list these separately because the UC system is a very big university system. Um, and we can really see um, that, you know, in 2020, we had 88,000 applicants to Berkeley. Now it was 112,000. And this here, UCLA, this is the biggest number. We had 108,000 applicants in, for the 2020 incoming year, jumped up by 30,000 more, 139,000, which brought the acceptance rate from 14% down to 11%. So it's scary, right? Scary numbers. But you can also see that there are some UCs like Merced, for example, that actually admitted more students. We see that Riverside had the same amount of students. San Diego almost stayed the same. 
Santa Barbara dropped significantly. So it's really important to take a look at all of this. Davis actually went up and Davis is, you know, has excellent programs. A lot of the UCs, um, you know, I think everyone knows UCI, UCLA, UC Berkeley, but really looking beyond those, um, you can see some excellent educational institutions. And when we look at these percentages, we can see it's not overall the entire system that is affected. It's really the highly selective schools. And that's kind of the, the main trend that I'm trying to highlight here. Okay, let's move away from, from all the stats and let's talk about increase in accessibility. So I'm gonna just talk about this a little bit. Um, because um, we had the pandemic or have the pandemic, there are a lot more virtual options available. So you have virtual information sessions, virtual tours, and you can even have Zoom meetings with college reps, right? Things like what we're doing tonight, um, all this kind of stuff is available to you. So that's that's been a pretty good plus about you know trends in the past year. Also, I really wanna talk about context. Um, context really matters in your college application. Colleges are looking for students who really demonstrate emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence includes self-awareness, um, empathy, showing that you're a self-starter or self-motivated, showing that you can deal with struggles, failures, um, that you can dust yourself off, um, and showing that you um, are able to collaborate with others um, and, and create something together, right? So I'm talking about this because it has become more than ever important in this current world. If we're looking at these selective schools or at the less selective ones, and we're thinking about, do I submit my test score or not? You know, are my, what are my grades being looked at? One thing to know is test scores and grades are not the only predictor of college success. Emotional intelligence have been has been found to be an incredibly strong predictor of college success. Here's a little excerpt, and then the source is linked here. It's um, a really cool article, um, a very cool study done. But let's just sum this up. Soft skills really matter. And these admissions reps are really looking for the resilient students who have maturity, independence, and the ability to reflect on their life experiences. That is why it's so important to put a lot of work into your activities list, um, to learn how to write the supplemental essays, a session that I'm giving at 9.05 tonight. Um, really taking a look at how can you use your real estate? How can you use all aspects of your application um, to make sure that they see you have this emotional intelligence and there is much more to you than just your grades and your test scores. You're also gonna be an amazing asset to their campus because that really makes a difference on your application. So don't discount things that you do, things that you're excited about because you think, oh, maybe it's not you know, college application material. The more you share with them, the better. They're excited to get to know you. Um, and I think that that was made pretty clear too by Dwayne when he um, spoke to us at the beginning today. Okay, so the UCs, for example, they have a 13-factor comprehensive review. So um, a lot of the things I just talked about are actually parts of, of the 13 factors. Um, there was There's an addition of an optional COVID essay prompt on the Common App and also um, on several other applications. So um, they're really inviting you to share more about your circumstances, about your life, about um, anything that you really want to share with them. Um, so really tell them about yourself and what's been going on in your life. You know, admissions reps, they also went through COVID. They get it. They might be working from home with three kids jumping around on their desk, right? Um, they might, you know, have lost someone dear to them. We all experience COVID. Um, and so, you know, really just make sure to um, share 
if there is context that you would like to give to your application and find value in the things that you were able to do instead of obsessing over the things that COVID canceled. Um, so show insight into those things and why they were valuable to you and your application. Like maybe your grandma moved in and you helped care for her or something like that. That should go on your app. You should provide that context. So I'm going to hang out here um, awkwardly um, and just see if anything comes up for you guys or if anyone else pops in to ask a question in the Q&A. Um, so I'm here if you need anything, but, you know, if you guys are good, then you can also, of course, um, move on and grab a snack um, and all of that. So um, I was wondering if, okay, so for like the optional COVID essay stuff, if you like had stuff that was going on, but like you still managed to get good grades and stuff, does that like, is that worth sharing? Or is it just for like, if you were to get like a bad grade and it like needed like an explanation or something like that? That's a great question. Um, was it Faith or Sophia last? Sophia. Okay, awesome, cool. Um, so that's a really good question, Sophia. Um, I think that it depends on what impact it had on you and in your life. It doesn't have to have an impact on your grades. So if it's something that you know you struggled with or something that was kind of an emotional burden or maybe just something that kind of you spent your time doing, um, talk about it, you know, write about it in the COVID essay. If there's that prompt, it's optional. Um, just, just share with them. Don't write a whole new like personal statement, but just share the facts. Um, I had a student who um, actually really struggled due to COVID. Um, her, her grandma ended up moving in with them um, and um, she was helping take care of her. Um, and even though it may not have shown up in her grades, you know, it was, it was something that was really defining for her. She didn't write her personal statement about it because she had other things she wanted to share. So she used that additional information section, um, that COVID prompt section to discuss that. I had other students whose grades were fine, but their family finances were completely changed. So they discussed that in the additional, um, in the optional prompt. I think, um, you know, if, if the effect um, of the pandemic is um, that, you know, you had online schooling for a while and that was difficult and um, then you overcame it and then you were fine, um, then maybe it's not worth writing about. If you feel like it really overall just didn't have um, like a huge impact that was, that was different from anyone else. Um, so that's kind of up to you um, because it's all about what did it mean to you and how did it affect you and reflecting on that. So, yeah, I've definitely had students write about it, you know, especially um, last year's applicants because they were still in the middle of, of the pandemic when they were applying. And it was just all, all kinds of crazy, especially um, at some of the public schools that weren't able to come, go back in person as, as early as you guys were. So, um, okay. Anything else? Any other questions? Like I said, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the presentation. It can be a question about anything. I do have one slightly not related to this specifically, but still college related. Um, do you have any idea how quickly we might get our scores back for the PSAT? Yes, um, it depends on the college board. You will definitely have them by January, which I know is really far out, but we do have a score back night then um, where we'll talk about like what the scores mean, um, you know, how to even think about these tests and all of that. Um, so I'm not 100% sure because it was administered through the school, not through us uh, and from the college board. So we have to wait for the college board to get back to us. And I think they said, I think they said it can be like eight weeks, but I think it could also be longer. So it's a little annoying, but by January, you should definitely have them.
All right, thank you. All right, thank you guys so much. Here's my cat again to say um, goodbye and see you in a bit. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strivetolearn.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes, and don't forget to subscribe. As we're launching this podcast, we'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments, or DM us on Instagram at Strive to Learn Tutoring. Get the latest updates in the college admissions world, and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, www.strivetolearn.com. Thanks for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.